Hey, welcome back to Going Deep with Aaron Watson. This is the first episode since the 2018 Going Deep Summit, which was an absolutely smashing success. We had more than 180 people show up for our first ever event at the Kelly Strayhorn Theater. Enthusiastic connectors, some people traveling from as far as California, Buffalo, New York, and Washington, D.C. to be there. I am eternally grateful for everyone who helped make it possible, including some of the fantastic sponsors, including Work Hard Pittsburgh, Chula Indian Barbecue, Lyceum Communications, and Ceneva Coffee. Could not do it without their help, could not do it without all the amazing people who showed up, bought tickets, and supported the cause. And also for this keynote, Zach Slayback was one of the first people that I asked to be a part of the summit and was also one of the top promoters of the event, sending out invitations through his email list, social media posting, and much, much more. I'm deeply appreciative for his efforts and can firmly attest to and endorse his promotional and speaking abilities. He was the last keynote of the day. Everyone's blood sugar was low, and he definitely brought the energy, brought the noise, but also brought some very deep, important insights for anyone who is starting their career. This is a great one to share with anyone in your life between the ages of 20 and 25 who's just getting started and trying to figure out how to make their mark on the world. So please enjoy Zach's keynote, How to Get Ahead When You Have Nothing to Offer. You're listening to Going Deep with Aaron Watson. Give a very warm welcome to Zach Slayback. Perfect. Okay. Uh, like Aaron said, low blood sugar. Everybody stand up. Stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. No, don't sit down. Okay. Make eye contact with somebody you don't know. Do it. It's awkward. It's weird. Do it. Uh, shake their hand. High five them. Something. Come on. Come on. All right. Sit down. Sit up straight. Sit up straight. I will not be the victim of low blood sugar. We're at the end of the day, and I want to get through everything that we have to talk about. Who in here is at the beginning of their career? Or changing jobs? Or, wants, or hates their job and wants to change their jobs? Yes. Who in here is a business owner? Who in here wants to become a business owner? Who in here describes himself as a very busy person? Great. Awesome. Okay, all of you are actually people who can get something out of this talk, even if you think you have something to offer. So, how to get ahead when you have something when you have nothing to offer? I've been in the odd position for the last couple of years where simultaneously I've had to start my own career and help a lot of other people start their careers and transition careers. And it put, has put me in a very interesting position. The alternative title of this talk is How to Create an Opportunity Machine in Five Easy Steps. Because I think that the way that most people think about careers is I'm going to give you a cool tip. I'm going to let you do like 
a, a resume workshop. You'll, you'll get a business card. And from those things, opportunities will come your way. And, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> That's my reaction. And the thing with those kinds of approaches is they're fun. You know, they're things that we can think about. It's like, I've got a business card. I run into people who are like, let me tell you about your, my business. Here's my business card. Okay, do you have any customers? No. Do you have a product? No. But you've got a business card. So you're obviously an entrepreneur, right? Machines are really cool. Machines work. They're not like people. Machines, if you set them up right and you maintain them right, they work. So this is a system that no matter where you are in your career, beginning of your career, transitioning your career, you're a very busy person who owns a business, whatever you are, you will be able to use steps from this system. So I think that a lot of the career advice out there today is the wrong advice. It looks generally like this. You have nothing to offer. You're, you're transitioning career. Uh, you're starting out your career. You want something to offer. So you need to take this time, go, this usually takes the form of studying, usually in the form of classrooms, and then you'll acquire something to offer, and then you can take it to the marketplace. If anybody in here has uh, hired recent graduates, you know, you may have run into somebody who, they come right out of school, no experience, literally zero experience, very few people even have a summer job anymore, and they tell you about all the things that they learned in school, and that's why you should pay them, you know, $40,000 a year. Someone chuckled, right, exactly. And I don't blame people for offering this advice. This is usually the advice that you see from managers, from guidance counselors, from older people, and it's from an entirely different age. My general rule of thumb is that if you haven't had to find a job or transition careers since before the Great Recession, especially since before the internet was a thing, you probably should not be giving career advice to people. You know, in, 20 years ago, we told people, you know, don't get in strangers' cars and don't talk to people on the internet. Today, you pull out an app, half of you will pull out an app to get out of here where you will literally hail a stranger from the internet to come pick you up and you will climb into their car. And the idea of them like axe murdering you when you leave barely goes through your mind, right? In fact, nowadays for me, it's weirder for me to get into a taxi. I think oh, the taxi driver might do something to me. Instead, when you're at the beginning of your career, when you're just starting out, or when you're transitioning, you are in a better place than anybody else ever in their career. This is the best place to start. And this, I think, is the best way to be thinking about your career. There's never been a better time to start than now. When is now a good time, right? Well, now. <laughs> so, what I want you to think about is, there's a very important concept that when you get older, this concept becomes clearer and clearer to you. Uh, it sometimes takes the form for people of when you get older, you spend more time with your family, right? You value your time more. You're going to be at home more often. And if there was one concept, it would be this one. It is opportunity cost. If you are writing anything down that I say today, write this down. This was the one concept that when I understood it, it helped me not only understand where can I take my career, but where can I help other people take their careers as well? And there is a cost for every single thing you do. You, what could you be doing here today instead of being here? Working on your business. What could you be doing? Working at his business. Cool. You're in a good position. How about you? Working on your business. You, sir. 
You could be ice skating, right? Every single decision that you make comes with a cost. Even if you think it's free, it is not free. Your time is limited. Time is the great equalizer. I have the same amount of time as you have. I have the same amount of time as Aaron has. Aaron has the same amount of time as Bill Gates. Bill Gates has the same amount of time as, you know, the President of the United States. We all have the same amount of time in a day. And when you are young, when you are just getting started, when you have nothing to offer, your time is worth less than somebody who has a lot of stuff on their plate. So, you know, oh, oh, going back. We want the chart. There we go. Okay, cool. As you get older, the value of your time goes up, generally speaking. As you get more experienced, the value of your time goes up. Who in here has ever been a consultant who has uh, uh, charged on an hourly basis? Okay, as you got more experienced, as you earned more money, as you developed more skills, did you start to charge more? Yes. And then, as you started to charge more, did you take more into account when deciding to take jobs or not? Yes. When you're at the beginning of your career, the value of your time is considerably lower. And this is the thing that, if you get this concept, this is your leverage point. Who in here is a business owner? I already asked this question, but raise your hands again. Who in here is starting out their careers? Okay. Who in here is a business owner that describes themselves as a very busy person? You. I'm going to come back to you again because you're right here. Tell me, do you have a to-do list of some kind? Yes, it's all over the place. The things on the to-do list, are they rank ordered in some kind of way of what's most important versus least important? Does everything get done every day? No. Do the things that not get done, are they usually less important or less valuable than the things that do get done? When they're due, sorry. When, they, when they're due? Yeah, so if there's like something I have to do, okay. I'm going to do it now, but if it's late, they can push it. Right. But generally speaking, the important things are the things that get done during your day, right? And less important things are the ones that get done less often, right? Who here is just starting out their career? You. What's your name? Marquise. Marquise. Uh, if you weren't here today, what you, would you be doing with your time? You'd be at work. Okay. What does your to-do list look like? It, would you say that everything on your to-do list gets done every day? Okay. What do the things that not get done on your to-do list, what kind of things are they? Non-work-related things. Okay. Somebody else who's starting out their career right now. Good. Thank you. Give them a hand. You. What's your name? Lydia. Lydia, what does your to-do list look like? A lot of praxis work. Okay. The things that don't get done, what do they look like? A lot of projects. A lot of smaller scale projects. Okay. If we were to take Marquis' to-do list or Lydia's to-do list and we were to compare it with, I'm sorry, sir, what was your name? Joe. And we were to compare it with Joe's to-do list, you would notice something fundamentally different between the things that don't get done on Joe's to-do list versus the things that don't get done on Lydia or Marquis' to-do list. And that is that the things that don't get done on Joe's to-do list are probably, honestly, more valuable than the things that don't get done on Lydia or Marquis' to-do lists. And that's because Joe's running a business, right? 
There are things that have to get done in order for that business to stay afloat, but there will always be things to get done, right? And the thing you don't want to be in, the position you don't want to be in is, the position that you don't want to be in is the position where you are up high on that curve and you've got a ton of stuff on that list. And that stuff is just not getting done, period. Is anyone in here, were they once a lawyer and hated being a lawyer and is no longer a lawyer? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Ma'am, what is your name? Hersha? Versha. Okay. When you were a lawyer, were the things that you were getting done, were they things that you considered very valuable to your life plan? No. The reason why I bring up lawyers in particular is because I tend to find this really often with lawyers is what, as you become more experienced and you get further up that curve I'm talking about, your, your time is really valuable, right? Like someone who works at a law firm and is a partner might be charging, you know, billing $200, $300, $400 an hour. But because your time's so valuable, there are things that end up falling off the table. What you want to do is if you're somebody who has low opportunity cost, you want to find someone with high opportunity cost. You want to find somebody who they have a ton of stuff that needs to get done on their list and it's just not getting done. Enough is getting done for them to get by, but for you, yeah, if the things don't get done on your list, eh, you know, it could be you're, you decide to go work at your hourly wage job. Or it could be that you decide to go study, right? The thing that you want to do is you want to be in a position where you have something to achieve. Because you don't want to be the lawyer who makes it to 40 years old and realizes you don't like being a lawyer anymore. One of the things that people in my space, who are in the career coaching space, right, try to tell people is, you know, find, find something that people are hiring for, right? You know, you see this, uh, everyone's going into computer science right now, and, or data science in particular. And in four, five, six years, they think they're going to go get a data science job. But if they're not someone who actually wants to achieve a data science job, they probably shouldn't be working a data science job. People who go into law, often they think they like arguing. And then they become a lawyer, they find out that they're arguing, but it's at home. <laughs> that it's actually a lot of paperwork and it's a lot of looking things up all the time. So figure out first what it is you want to do, what it is you want to achieve. I love Leah's story where she pointed out that having a goal was really, really important to her, right? Figure out who you want to become, what kind of person you want to become. Two really quick examples with this. Who here likes Greek mythology? Who here is familiar with the story of Philoctetes, the archer? Okay, one person, cool. So the story of Philoctetes, he's uh, a fantastic archer and he's being taken with his fellow Greek soldiers to go fight the, uh, the Trojan War, right? He ends up getting injured along the way and they drop him on an island and they leave him there. And it isn't until he sees the person that he can become that he decides to leave the island, right? This is important. What is the kind of person that you want to become? Because once you see that kind of person that you want to become, you are able to find other people like you. You want to call these mentors, you want to call them advisors, you want to call them you know, masters and a master apprentice model. I don't care what you call it. But you want to find somebody who is going to achieve or is currently achieving the things that you want to achieve. Have something to achieve. Don't just go out into the world and be the lawyer at 40 who hates being a lawyer. I have another friend who is a lawyer and I ask him all the time, does he like his job? No but he can't get another job because everyone sees the JD after his name and they're like, why do you want to come become a, come be like a marketing consultant? Why do you want to be a chef? You're a lawyer. 
right? Don't get too far along that curve. Very busy people in this room, raise your hands. Would you say you have problems? <laughs> this, this woman here, yeah. Very busy people always have problems. People with low opportunity costs think they have problems, but they don't actually really have problems that when you compare them to the very busy person's problems really look like problems. If you want to leverage low, your low opportunity cost, if you want to become something that somebody else currently is, if you want to find a mentor, you want to find a coach, you want to find an advisor, look for problems. Very busy people always have problems. That's a good thing. The world needs more problems. Find those problems. When you find those problems, you're then able to find their owners. One of the reasons that I really enjoyed giving this talk today in particular is because Aaron brought Larry in. And Larry taught you how to connect with people. We live in a really interesting age. There is a device in most of your pockets that has access to an address that would allow you to talk to anybody in the world. Somebody name off somebody they'd love to talk to. Elon Musk. Elon at SpaceX.com. Somebody name someone else. Gary Vaynerchuk. I actually don't know Gary's email address, but it would be very easy to find. Somebody else. Heard something up there. Jordan Peterson. Personal at JordanBPeterson.com. I know that one for a fact. And he has replied to my emails. There is a universal address that allows you to get in touch with anybody in this world, and nobody is trained how to use this address. You know, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, in order to find somebody, in order to connect with somebody, you probably had to be either in this centralized kind of orbit or maybe this decentralized orbit, right? Like you could find the Larrys of the world who are like really connected and know a lot of people. But if you can get yourself to be here or here, and so long as you're outside of the edge of the distributed network, man, you can meet anybody in the world in just a couple moves. That's no exaggeration. Who's heard of the six degrees of Kevin Bacon? Right. You're six degrees removed from Kevin Bacon, right? There's actually a tool on Facebook that tells you, on average, how many degrees you are removed from everybody else on Facebook. I think I'm like 2.1, right? You can go find that. Look for problems. You don't have to know the person out the door who has the problems. If you find a serious problem, say it's a business that isn't on a certain type of marketing channel, say it's a business that is not offering a particular kind of product, say you want to be an artist and you find someone who is very successful at being an artist, what is the hardest part about being an artist? Feeding yourself, making money. You find an artist who is successful at making money and providing for themselves and you find problems associated with them. They probably know about these problems. They've probably thought about these problems. But they're like our friend here who has a very long to-do list, and that to-do list does not get done. And then you are able to connect with them. You will find their owner. I am not going to tell you you need to go to networking events. Why? What kind of person goes to a networking event? Think in terms of opportunity costs here, folks. Salespeople and low opportunity cost people. I've been, to, I've been to a lot of networking events, and there are some good people at them. Some people just enjoy it as a consumption good, right? They just enjoy going to networking events because they're some sort of masochist. 
but most of the people at networking events are salespeople. So you've got salespeople selling to salespeople. Well, that's not helpful. Don't, when, when you're thinking about mentors, same thing. What kind of person goes to a mentoring event? People looking for a mentor and low opportunity cost people. And occasionally you find the person who they really enjoyed kind of like as charity and they go and they are actually a fantastic mentor, but you will not find good mentors at mentoring events, generally speaking. You will not build a strong network by going to networking events, generally speaking. You want to find people who their time is so valuable that they barely have time to sleep. And with this universal address that this little, this little device in your pocket allows you to use, you can get in touch with anybody in the world. So look for problems and find their owners and propose solutions. This is where a lot of people get caught up. They either get caught up in like, oh, I don't want to send an email to Elon Musk, right? And it's like, the worst thing he can do is tell you to F off. And he's probably not going to. He's probably going to ignore your email. But if you bother him enough, he might reply or he might uh, forward it on to someone else. Or they get caught up in this. They get caught up in like, oh, what's the right solution? Who here uh, runs a successful business and is very busy about that? Raise your hand again. You, ma'am. If someone reached out to you and they said, you know, I saw that you're not on a specific marketing channel, and just for the, the, the thought experiment, and they said, I'd like to get you on this channel, and you don't actually really value being on this channel, but they told you, I put together a little proposal for you, and I'll work for you either for free or for a very, very low cost for a short period of time. Would that impress you, at the very least? Yeah, because most people, they come and they say, give me a job. Right? How do most people ask for jobs? They apply. Right. They look for job applications and then they say, like, here are the things I did. Give me stuff to do. Whereas, for a lot of people, if you can come to the table and say, hey, look, I, I think you've got this problem, even if your solution is wrong, it is still going to impress them. I've got... Um, one of my coaching clients, for example, uh, runs a data science consultancy, and he really, really likes mindfulness companies, you know, like Headspace. And he's been reaching out to a lot of the executives at companies like Headspace and proposing to them, I would love to be able to build X, Y, or Z for you. Often they reply saying, we don't actually need X, Y, or Z, but it's impressive that you actually put something together and you didn't just say, hey, give me money and then give me assignments. Because that's how most people approach finding jobs, that's how most people approach opportunity you put together some kind of solution. And again, we've got this little device in our pockets that not only has access to every single person in the modern world, it also has access to more knowledge than the entire libraries of Harvard in 1960 combined had. If you seriously find a problem, you know who has the problem, and you tell me, I can't think of a solution to propose them, you're not thinking hard enough. Poor Nav, don't be incompetent. I can tell you, if you're someone with particularly low opportunity cost, being competent is the most valuable thing you can do. It is not hard to be competent. Now, I could give you a bunch of tips right here. Uh, keep your, inbox, your email inbox at email zero. 
or near email zero. If you're young and you don't have a ton of stuff on your plate and your email inbox is at like 15,000 unread emails, you have no excuse. If you're like one of our very busy people and your email inbox is at 15,000 emails, at least you've got a decent excuse. You know, follow up with people. Actually have some energy in your voice when you talk to people. Smile. You don't have to be creepy about it, but smile at people. I was reading a book this morning uh, by an author named John Carlton, uh, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Getting Your Shit Together. Good book. And he pointed out something really, really important, which is that incompetent people don't know they're incompetent. Incompetent people think they're super competent. And you can always you know, find an incompetent person by giving them feedback on something, and then they listen to you, they nod, uh-huh, 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 and then they don't implement your feedback. That's an incompetent person. If you continually do that, you're incompetent. Being competent, though, because most people don't know that they're incompetent when they are incompetent, being competent means that the bar is that much lower. You know, this is how I got started in my career. I had a mentor who I really admired, and I wanted to do some work with him. So I reached out to him and I said, hey, I know you want to do this book. I'm going to edit your book for you for free or for, you know, at cost if you're in a position where you can't do it for free. But again, if your time's actually really not that valuable, you're either transitioning careers or you're at the beginning of your career, you can probably do it for free. And I just edited it. And if you go find that book now, the edits aren't that great, but they're better than everybody else who probably could have offered it for him at that price. Right? And he kept me around. He was like, oh, hmm. He actually hit his deadline. He replies to my emails on time. Zach, would you like to do this? And yes, I did. Because as I got more opportunities coming my way, the value of my time went up because I grew, I grew my skills. And as I got to a certain level, I actually got to the point where I couldn't even edit my own book. So at one point, I reached out to the internet at large, and I said, I'm hiring someone to work for me. It'll be free, so work for me. Uh, I can give you a fantastic referral, because competent people are really hard to find, and you want to keep them around as long as possible. And I would need you to do like some very basic work. I had a number of people reach out to me. Again, very simple examples of incompetence that people don't realize. Uh, one of the people who reached out to me was a student at Carnegie Mellon University, and I just written an article about why I actually like a certain type type of energy energy source, you know, like solar panels or fossil fuels. I just written that article, and she sent me a writing sample about how terrible that specific source of energy was. I was like, just Google my name, please. It's not that hard. Uh, the person who ended up getting the job opportunity was someone who had zero experience. You know, to my knowledge, no skills that were actually directly relevant to it, but was really, really freaking competent. Replied to my emails on time. Proposed solutions to problems. And even if those solutions weren't the solutions I wanted to go with, I was like, wow, this person actually responded to my email on time and had the chutzpah to actually say, I want to do something with you. And to this day, that is somebody who, when things come my way that I just don't have the time to work on, but I would love to refer to them, I will. And that has allowed her to go from a position of not having much to offer to being one of the most valuable people I know. I put together this little two-by-two two matrix. I really like two-by-two two matrices. You want to stay in the top part of the matrix. I was really hoping that Aaron had pulled my presentation when I decided to change this phrase, but 
I sent it to him originally with lazy bum, so I guess I wasn't fully competent there. You want to stay in the position where your value, the value of your time to yourself is perceived as relatively low, because this is the opportunity, this is the place where you are able to apprentice under people. This is the place where you're able to find mentors. No matter what stage of your career you're at, you still have lower opportunity costs, lower value of your time than somebody else. I don't care if you're like a, a, a world-renowned software engineer, your time is probably still less valuable than the number one software engineer in your field, right? I don't care if you're someone who is starting a business, your time is still probably less valuable than somebody who's running a $10 million business. So you want to stay in the top parts here. You want to be a competent person. It's okay to be competent and be a very busy person. Because when you're a very busy person, you find people with low time value and they take stuff off your plate. You teach them, they learn. And with the opportunity machine, you don't actually have to set up like a professional development program. That's another thing. If you're a very busy person and someone comes to you and says, I want to mentor you, uh, ment I want you to mentor me. First of all, if they said, I want to mentor you, that'd be weird. But if they come to you and they're like, I want you to mentor, mentor me. Most very busy people are like, I don't have time to mentor some kid. Get out of here. Or like, that sounds nice, but you know, wh 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 what would this look like? If someone came to you and they proposed solutions to real problems you had, it's like, absolutely, here. I'll give something your way. And then you can upgrade mentors through your life. So in my case, you know, the, the gentleman I mentioned, he was a mentor of mine for several years, and my opportunity costs got much higher, and I found somebody else who I wanted to mentor under who I could propose solutions for as my skills grew, right? This is something I find with all of my clients. They find somebody that they need to mentor, mentor them. What you don't want to be is, you don't want to be what I call a debt slave, or I was going to call this a low efficacy person, or a lazy bum. A debt slave doesn't need to be someone who is in debt. It is, it is somebody who is sacrificed to the future for the present. That is what debt is. Credit is your ability to sacrifice the present for the future. It's the thing that allows modern Western civilization to exist. If you're someone who you're so caught up in doing the things that are in front of you right now that you can't learn from people, that you can't learn from people who know more than you, that you can't invest your time, that you can't invest your energy, that you can't invest your money, you become a debt slave. You know, someone who, uh, I, I've given this talk in, in a very, uh, various forms before and the two examples that immediately come to my mind are what I call the golden handcuffs and, the, and what my old mentor called the bronze handcuffs. I have a bunch of acquaintances from college who, they went on to become bankers, right? And like investment bankers on Wall Street. And they make really good money. They live in Manhattan and they work 90 hours a week, but they make really good money. But a lot of them would say, okay, I'm just gonna go do this for a couple years, and then I'm gonna go launch my own business, or travel through Patagonia, or do whatever you know, bankers do when they're burnt out. And years would go by, and they'd put it off. And they put it off, and they put it off, and they put it off. It's because they get something called the golden handcuffs, right? The, the organization that they work for knows how valuable it is to have them around, so they're going to make it really hard for them to quit. I gave a version of this talk uh, a couple years ago at Montour High School out in the West Hills, and the economics teacher was in there said, like, I don't even make $100,000 a year, and I can't quit my job. Right? He has the bronze handcuffs. You've got a mortgage. You've got kids. You've got people you have to take care of. 
If you're fortunate enough to have a spouse who can, who can work and that you two can get by on a relatively low income for a short period of time, the opportunity machine works really well for you. If you're at the beginning of your career, you absolutely need to set the opportunity machine up. So stay in the top quadrant, stay competent. Please stay competent because a very busy person who is incompetent has a lot on their plate and they're not going to crawl out from under it. And once you start working for these people, once you start learning from them, whether it's working with them formally or working with them informally, virtually, you can build that reputation. You know, the young lady I mentioned earlier, she is somebody who, if anybody ever comes to me and says, hey, Zach, we have a, an opportunity. We really want someone who really just like performs well. She's the first person I would go to. And I will tell them, I will put my whole reputation on the line for this person. And as you get better at things, as you get better at your skills, as you get better at your career, you can go back to the networks we were talking about earlier and you can get those introductions. Hey, thank you so much for listening to one of the keynotes from the 2018 Going Deep Summit. If you want to check out tickets for Going Deep Summit 2.0, they are listed at goingdeepwithaaron.com slash event. The date of the event is March 23rd, 2019. I'd love to see you there. And if you want to check out any of the other keynotes, you can do that by listening to one of the other podcast episodes that is up or down an inch on your iPhone, or you can head over to my YouTube channel and see what it was really like to be in the Kelly Strayhorn Theater for our first ever event. We had a ton of fun, and I hope that you can be at the next one. Thank you so much for listening. I'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Connect with Aaron on Twitter and Instagram at AaronWatson59.